Welcome to the family with Mike Gelfin and Andy Brampernard. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, just the three of us doing the show on a Thursday. So it's a winning trifecta. Really is. I don't know if there's any question about this. Just saw this. Uh, as far as I know, this just popped up. Maybe it's been around. No, nine. I don't know. A couple of minutes ago. Rupert Murdoch to step down as chair of Fox News Corporation. Yep, I saw that. Oh, you did see that. Courtesy of Joe. So is he forced out, or what's the deal? I think he's retiring. He's a million years old, isn't he? He's yeah, he's very young. old. But, you know, these guys almost never retire. Well, they don't. At, at some right. point, I think your doctor says you have to retire. Yeah. It's too bad they can't say that to Diane Fe- Fe- Feistine or whatever. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Feistine. they have. How about about most of them? Jesus. Oh, God, there's plenty. There's tons of senators who are way too well, old. Well, the average age, is, I think, now is like 68. It's it almost is. 70, yeah. yeah the the average 70. age Yeah, that's the average 70. age, yeah. And for, for judges in general, fed, federal judges, it's about the same. Yeah. That's what happens when you don't have term limits. They yeah. just stay in there forever. Let's see, Rupert Murdoch is 92. 92. Yeah, that's so, probably, yeah. yeah, I would say it's about time to retire. Yeah, because he's got a lot ago. of things he wants to do now. You yeah, know, wants, you know. Wants to, you Take know, up jet skiing. Jet skiing. Sure. Absolutely. Volleyball. You know, it's, yeah, it's, you know. it's the bucket list kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Anytime anyone says to me anything about their bucket list, I want to use the bucket to barf. I know. Rupert Murdoch stepping down as chair of Fox and News Corp after building a media empire over seven decades that revolutionized news and entertainment, made him one of the world's most influential and controversial tycoons. Murdoch, 92 years old, will exit his roles atop each company as of November when they hold annual meetings. The company said he will be appointed chairman emeritus of each company. His eldest son, Lachlan Murdoch, Lachlan Murdoch. <laughs> I like the that. Name. I just, somehow I don't think it's pronounced that way. Lachlan Murdoch. <laughs> I like it, though. I do, too. Served as co-chair of News Corp, will uh, become sole chair of that company, and will continue as Fox Corp uh, executive chair and CEO. For my entire professional life, I've been engaged daily with news and ideas, and that will not change. But the time is right for me to take uh, different roles, Rupert Murdoch wrote in a memo. <laughs> uh, I just saw Rupert Murdoch's dumped his girlfriend yes i was just about to say that yeah yeah so what was that all about well you know he he tires of them and then he marries another one uh he's had some interesting marriages hasn't he yeah well he's 92 and i think this one was like 32 yeah yeah well that's you know that's uh when you got money he was with ann leslie smith and uh, and before that let's see how many marriages has you're he gonna had? like this by the way he has had a few, four marriages. Okay, and uh, I don't know if there's a list or anything out there. Well, the, the, the at least one of those marriages was was pretty interesting. There's Jerry Hall. Yeah, Jerry Hall. He mm-hmm. was married to Jerry Hall. Yeah, I, know, years, I knew yeah. that would kill you. I didn't uh, know that. Yes, he was. So she left the Rolling Stones and went to Rupert Murdoch, huh? Well, uh, you know, yeah. she wanted some stability in her life. Yeah, wanted more money, too, <laughs> yeah, he just uh, They just got divorced last year. Yeah. He and Jerry Hall. He's 91 years old, and he's getting a divorce. So <laughs> just yeah. wait it out at that point, <laughs> exactly. really. Yeah. How could it be so bad? Well, he said, you know, I just want to go in a different direction now. Mm. I guess what you know, direction now, yeah. rhymes. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Direction, erection. I got it. Yeah. She's 67. 67. So she's not like terribly young but she is significantly younger than him that's for sure 35 years yeah that'll do it yeah 
No question about it. Yeah, I just saw that. Uh, he's, he's finally stepping down after it, all that. Well, she said he was great in bed. He just couldn't get out of it. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Yeah. <laughs> we spend all day in bed has a completely different meaning for him. Mm. Oh, God. 92. 90, yeah. 92 years old. I think old. things start to go bad around then. Yeah, I mean, I had two grandparents who were in very good shape up until about 90. Yeah. yeah. And that, yeah. they all just all of a sudden just took a nosedive. Yeah, well, my dad, uh, you know, he, he was, I think he was 90, as I recall, 91 when he died. And, but he would have made it to 100 if he hadn't had dementia. Yeah, yeah I suppose. Yeah. That'll get you. That's probably true. I think the oldest person in my family that ever lived to be was what, like 88? My mother was 88 yeah, when she died. Toots was pretty old. I think she was 86, 88, somewhere around there. Yeah, and I don't think anybody's lived longer than her that I know of. Not that I know of. Yeah. Uh, and either side. I, well, although Eldon, I think, I think Eldon lived to be 90. I'm almost certain my, my father's brother, the youngest boy in the family, uh, Eldon's a great guy, but I think he lived to be 90 years old. I think he, he broke the record. I think my fear is that when I when I turn 90, I'm, I might become negative and angry. Mm. You might. Yeah, it could happen. As a matter of fact, I was just thinking, my father and her sister, his sister Wilma, died very young. Mm-hmm. And the other two kids in the family, Marianne and Eldon, both lived to be 90 years old. Well, Marianne was like a week short of 90. Yeah. Oh, was she? Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that, you know, for, for us... A lot of people, if, if they have dementia, I think it's mo- more true of men than women, but it, it is true of some women, they, they become very angry Yeah. because definitely. it's the thing they've been suppressing all their life. Yeah. You know, but you and I have never suppressed it. No, I'm not big at suppressing things. So if, I mean, That's true. I mean, dementia, any way you look at it, it's, it's a horrible, terrible, tragic yeah. thing. One of but the worst things out there. It is. Um, but I, I don't think I'll turn angry. I, I, it'll, be, it'll have to be something else. It's, I always You'll said, need to change a pace at that point. Well, what, what I always see is that it's, it's typically, you know, with men, they've been suppressing anger. But a lot of times with women, you know, you'll, women who have deme- dementia, they'll, they'll like, uh, you know, take their clothes off and get, in, go and get into bed with the guy next door. Mm. So what is the cause of dementia? Still don't really know. Yeah, they don't know. Still, it's, no, they, it's somewhat mysterious. If they if they knew the cause, they maybe could, maybe could you know do something about it. Yep. But so there's you, not much they can do. Onset is pretty gradual. Are, are there any quick onset? It cases? can be. My, with my dad, there <clears> was what a, I thought. There, yeah. he, there was about a five or six year period when it was just like uh, it was considered to be um, um, just 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 a, a mild case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and then it started to get really bad. And then there was another five or five years or so when it was just torture. Right. Yeah. I always said, you know, because of this thing about how you know some people some people become sexual, take their clothes off. Right. Some people just get mm-hmm. angry and start to you know scream obscenities at everyone. And I, and I always said that I I prayed I prayed for a masturbator, but I got a warrior. <laughs> well. Yeah. That didn't work. It's out, always huh? better if you know. I mean, wouldn't you rather have a masturbator than a warrior? Yeah, I would have to. You agree wouldn't with want that. to watch either one. I guess but it depends no. on the job that I need done. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, no, it's, it's um, yeah, it's it's. I I think if you, I think nowadays, I think most people have experienced it. You know, have seen it. So I don't think it's such a mystery as it used to be. I mean, when you think about it, right. who doesn't have a a, a parent or a grandparent or 
a spouse, somebody who's had dementia? I actually have not. Not that I know, or not that I've met anyone. No one in the family at all? No, I've never met anyone I'm related to with dementia. No, that's... that's no, it didn't, you're right, it doesn't happen. Yeah, that's... that's you're lucky. Yeah, I am, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, in the very... Like the last days of Toots's life, mm-hmm. she had symptoms of dementia, but that's not really the same thing. No, no. Like not knowing what time it is, not knowing where you are, that sort of thing. That's... I do that every day now. Yeah. What the hell time is it? Where am I? Because we keep changing the time of the show. <laughs> exactly. Going to change it again yeah, in another week. They refer to that as people's orientation. Yep. They do. Oh, I should mention by the way that we were going to go to the different hours starting next Monday, but now it's going to be a week from Monday. Oh, I'm glad to know that. So there you go. I think that'll be great. Yeah, I'm not going to have to get up at 3.15 in the morning after 38 years. That would be great. the question is, will you get up at 3.15? Oh, I still do. Yeah. I still do. I don't have to. I literally don't have to get up until about, I'd say, 5.15. Yeah. Because I usually leave the house about quarter after 6. I could sleep till 5.30, maybe even 5.45, because you get ready in a half an hour. Do you think, like, in another 10 years, we'll be getting up at at 5 a.m. to get together at McDonald's? Probably. I, I hope not. Well, I hope not. I mean, too, I'd love to have your company, but I hope it's not at 6 a.m. at McDonald's. But after 38 years, you're right. I wake up every morning at 3:15. Yeah, that's uh, my brain is just wired to say, "Hey, it's 3:15, wake up." Yeah, you're probably probably not going to be able to change that a lot. Not in the not ever. Well, I mean, when your circadian rhythm is kind of gets set and it's hard to nudge I suppose, it. yeah, that's true. Although I, I have to say, I like you know, I used to get up at two in the afternoon. <laughs> Yeah. And then now, like, 9 a.m.'s fine. It's true. It's true. I'm just checking some uh, highlight, the highlights in the newspapers. They're really nothing. It's just basically one, uh, one outfit is bitching at the Democrats. The other outfit's bitching at the Republicans. And oh, they're yeah. both bitching at each other. And it's like, it's, and, it's professional wrestling now, isn't it? And maybe they could set things aside for a few minutes just to keep the government going. Wouldn't that be nice? I think I, I, that's not asking that much. Yeah, I, I just here are your top five headlines on the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, number one, a pray vote stands summit opinion. Why is Donald Trump afraid to debate? Uh, number two, the Democrats deal with the devil. Number three, <laughs> is Seattle ready to stop deteriorating? Not a lot of positivity so far. Well, it's, and it's the Journal. You know, that's a very conservative. Although the. The journalism in the Wall Street Journal is very fair. That's what I always thought. It, the editorials are just bizarre. It's like yeah, well, a bunch of hundred-year-old yeah. guys. Yeah, these all are all editorial. Most popular opinion is how they listed. Ah. Uh, House Republicans hang separately, so they they're they turn it on Republicans and Democrats, which I like, by the way. Hmm. I left my iPad in San Francisco in an opinion piece. I don't know what the hell that means, but it's a clever title, though. It really is. Yes, exactly. It's so, a sort of, uh, you know, because I when I hear that, I just think of Tony Bennett. I love Tony Bennett. Ah. Tony so I'm Bennett in Vegas. He's, at the end, he <laughs> sings a cappella. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, and, really? and he sets the microphone down. This is like when he was like 80 when I saw him. Amazing talent. Yeah. What does this headline mean? Saudi uranium enrichment floated under possible Israel deal. What the really? hell does that mean? Well, uh... I guess they're using that as uh, some sort of bait for agreement, some kind of an agreement. Well, are these know. two kids ever going to get along? Well, um, 
I guess anything's possible. I mean, the Saudis, uh, they, they can get along with almost anyone, you know, if... if, if Got uh, enough money. Well, I was going to say that, and then I thought... <laughs> well, that's true. Maybe I shouldn't, but... No, you should, because it's all about money with them. Well, these are the people who gave $2 billion to Jared Kushner for his... For his uh, his equity fund. Jared Kushner. Uh, like, Whatever happened to him? Well, he got $2 billion from the Saudis. That's what and happened. And he's a Jew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so yeah, but again, the, that religion didn't come into that. No, I did not. You're, well, see, that's it. And that's something everybody should know is there are times when your religion, your ethnicity, none of it, that doesn't matter at all. No. It's just uh, a question of what you value more. Right. That's exactly right. So, I don't, oh, wait a minute. Uh, cannabis entrepreneur to lead Minnesota's new marijuana agency. i got to find out who this is. This, uh, this might be interesting. I wonder if I know him. A cannabis entrepreneur uh, to lead Minnesota. Oh, God, would you just pop? I hate it when I do redirect because it takes a while for the little bar to appear on the right so I can scroll down. Wouldn't you love to have that job, though? What's that? To, to be like the, the cannabis king. Well, that'd be a great job, I would think. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be a hell of a job. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's a woman. Great. Erin Dupree has never worked in government. It says her experience with startup businesses makes her well-suited for the role. Governor Tim Walz has named a cannabis industry entrepreneur who hasn't worked in government before as an, an uh, inaugural director of Minnesota's new cannabis agency. Erin Dupree, a longtime consultant for startup businesses who founded Lunacy Cannabis Company in Apple Valley. Oh, I like that place. That's a good spot, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a good start. I could see that. I will lead the Office of Cannabis Management. She will be charged with filling out the uh, office's staff and overseeing the creation of Minnesota's recreational marijuana market. Now, Mike, I have to ask you something. I don't think I've asked you. I've asked other people about this. Mm. I don't understand the responsibility of the state of Minnesota that the first thing they legalize is the cannabis you have to smoke. Why? What? Yeah. Oh, they're not. What? The first thing they're legalizing is the plant itself. You don't want people inhaling smoke anymore, do you? People, it, it, it's very good for the uh, profits of the healthcare industry. I'll say that. Well, much. that's so true. That's, that's a very good point. You would think they'd go straight it. to edibles, wouldn't you? That's what I assume. They I mean, do most people I know who indulge, they they're strictly edibles people. We're talking either the chewable pills or the uh, or the gummies. The gummies, yeah, and the chocolate bars. Chocolate bars, all that good I've, stuff. I, you know, that's been my only experience with with edibles. Yeah, why would you want to promote smoking? That makes no sense no. to me. Mm-mm. No, well, and the other thing is, you know, I just get the feeling that when when you have like a committee getting together to decide on the rules and regulations. Yeah. It's going to take a long time because they're oh, going to want right. to have a snack every now and then. Mm. I suppose that's true. But, yeah, I I smoked marijuana for a while when I was, like, in my late teens, early 20s. But mm-hmm. it was only for, I think, about maybe a year, year and a half, something like that. Yeah. Because I, I just didn't like inhaling smoke. No, I, I, I remember smoking. Uh, most of it was, like, Minnesota ditch weed. Yeah, oh, it was, yeah. So I think maybe I was 14 or 15 when I smoked the first joint. And, yeah. and then uh, I would say um, after 18, I very rarely did. I'm not opposed to it at all. I'm not opposed. But, you know, it was after I got out of high school, it just wasn't quite as much fun. You know, I do believe, and I think this is true, the last time I ever smoked marijuana was the day I found out Jimi Hendrix had died. I remember that day. So I was 18 years old. I remember that day. I yep. was, Yeah. 
That was so weird. I also remember very vividly the day that Otis died. Otis Redding, baby. Yeah. Sitting on the dock of the bay. We were we were seniors in high school, and I remember a group of us uh, before for the first period class. I don't know know what I was doing there that early, but it was it must have been some some event, and we were all just talking about Otis, and mm-hmm. you know, because Otis had really just become yeah really popular. That's very true. You know, try a little tenderness, just blew off everybody else mm-hmm. like that was the greatest thing i've ever heard oh he was phenomenal yeah he was there's no question about that i still listen i have to hear try a little tenderness yeah at least maybe once a month or so i understand that. i just put you in a good mood i do understand that uh, that that whole deal it just and then when he after he died the 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 song of his that was the big hit was uh, dock of the bay Sitting on a dock of the bay, which baby. was okay, but it wasn't try a little tender. Well, no, I, I would have to agree. Somebody else did cover it too, I, I, but I can't remember who it was. Yeah, but yeah, that uh, that was a rough period back in the late seventies, early yeah. uh, late sixties, early seventies, because a lot of people died, man. And and there was a Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison died, and uh, uh, yeah, he the... he drowned, right? I think that's true. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and then uh, what the hell's her name? She died. The woman that, uh, the big brother in the holding company, what the hell was her oh, name? Oh, Janice Joplin. Janice Joplin. Yeah. There you go. She died about the same time, too. Yeah, right? I saw her at the Guthrie. Did you really? Yeah. It was about 1969, maybe. Does that sound right? 68? Well, that's about right. 68, 69, yeah. And, you know, I, 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 I didn't like her very much. <laughs> I didn't care for her. I never did care well, for her. Well, all she did was scream. She screamed. She didn't sing. No, Janice she Joplin sing. died in nineteen seventy. So it was 1970. So So they all died in 1970. Yeah, I don't know why, but that was a bad year for uh, musicians. She went way out of her way to be controversial, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because she met a Catholic priest, and in front of everybody with this little cocky look on her face, she said, so can you guys do women? Like, oh, God. oh, for God's sake. Really, you've been holding that one in for a while. <laughs> yeah, who, you yeah. need a new writer. <laughs> I never understood her popularity because she could not sing. No. She did a lot of yelling, as you said. Yeah, she did it, seeing her in concert really brought that to to the very edge. So you know? at the Guthrie, I mean, you were up close and personal at that point. Oh, well, the Guthrie had uh, had a, so many great concerts in those it days. It did. It uh, was, was wonderful. It, I can't remember the name of the woman who booked was it Susan Wells? Does that sound right? Yeah, that does sound. Yeah. And she would like, you know, she'd sign people up like a year before they became popular. Yeah. And she just had a gift. Um, you know, I saw Jackson Brown at the Guthrie yeah, Jackson when, Brown was when there. he didn't have a band or anything. He just played the acoustic guitar. Is that right? Yeah. God, what a great place that was. Though. Oh, it was fabulous. So we had Warren Zavon. I was back when I was working at the record company. We had Warren Zavon and. Mm-hmm. He had broken his leg because yeah. he got drunk and fell <laughs> off the stage. I was going to say, yeah, I figured that. He got drunk and fell off the stage, and then uh, he died shortly after. Well, I, should, I don't know about shortly, but just a while after that, he died. I remember that. Who else? With the Knack. Remember Get the Knack? My Sharona. Oh, My Sharona, yeah. Yeah, they, they first appeared in Minneapolis at the Guthrie. I never understood that. What um, the? Uh, I made a lot of money on that because I bet yeah. people because I was working at Capital and that was on Capital. Yeah. And they said that. What's the with that thing? What's that all about? I said, What are you talking about? I said that's that's not very good. I said, I guarantee you that'll be tri- triple platinum in the first month. Wow. And they said, No way. See, I would have said no to it. Yeah, it was. It went triple I would have said that's never month. gonna. That, nobody's gonna like that. But you got to understand that 
my job was to get people to play the song, so it's like, play, yeah. it, play it or die. That's going to be what it is. <laughs> back to the good old days. Yeah, back to the good old days <laughs> of the record business. They had a uh, way of convincing people. Is that text you're sending so important that you missed your turn? Is that text you're sending so important that you ran the red light? Is that text you're sending so important you didn't see the ball coming onto the road or the child that followed? Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. When you take your eyes off the road for even four seconds, your vehicle travels 100 yards. That's the entire length of a football field. If you absolutely have to text, you need to pull off the road somewhere safe and do it from there. Texting and driving is against the law and can cause serious injury or even death to you and others. Now that is important. We hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, please contact us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Going farther with Mike Bryant on your side, seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabankco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. Bobby Hurt, who was the executive vice president of my very first label, Areola Records, Mm -hmm. which was distributed by Capital. That's why I ended up at Capital. But Bobby Hurt was talking about a couple of uh, nice Italian boys from New York who got in the record promotion business. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I said, what's that all about, Bobby? And he goes, Tommy, I'll tell you one thing. Once you hire them. You ain't never going to fire them. <laughs> I said, oh, those kind of yeah, guys. Yeah, that was a, kind of a rough business. <laughs> when, when did payola start and stop? There was not a lot of payola when I was in the business. It was pretty much done by then. It was pretty much done by then. So I'm, I'd say it had completely stopped by 1975, 76. It kind of started like, uh, didn't it kind of start with Dick Clark in the 50s? Yes, that's exactly And then right. he, he flipped on everybody and... Oh, and saved himself. He saved himself. Yeah, he flipped on everybody else by, yeah, by saving himself. He saved himself doing that. Yeah. I heard he was not a very pleasant guy to know. I would not Never think so, him. no. Well, and the guy, you know, one of the guys who was, I, I, I wouldn't say necessary. I, payola is such a harsh term, you know. But, yes, But I always think of Bill Deal. Because Bill Deal, uh-huh. he was the rock and roll disc jockey. He was. WDGY in the 50s. Yep. And, and, but in those days, when he started out, disc jockeys could choose the records they played. They which, could, of course, yes. was a, a big elephant door to payola. Oh, you got that right. And, and Bill, he would, he, what he would do is he would, he would uh, sign up the local bands, a local band. Yes, you guys he did. are great, you're going places. Yep. And then, and then he would play their records. And, uh, that's, and then, that's a lot of control, man. And then he would work as their agent. 
course he was he making was. money like from three <laughs> different funnels. He had it figured out. Bill Deal. Yeah. What did Cannon call him? Uh, oh, uh, oh it's, it was not a pleasant. Uh, it it was, was not pleasant. It was what was it again? Bill Dole. Oh, Bill Dole. Yeah. <laughs> and and Cannon, Cannon and Bill Dole did like uh, like uh, like an hour long commercial on Saturday mornings. With with a car agency, it was Walzer. Oh, is that right? Was it I don't know if it was Walzer. No, I don't or, think it was. It no, was something else. Not. Yeah, probably Loopy. Probably Lu- Jim Loopy. God, I can't remember. Jim Loopy. Oh, no, it was Wally McCarthy. Oh, it was Wally McCarthy. Oh, sure. Yep. Wally McCarthy's Lindell Ford, or whatever it was. Yep. And I one day, it was the middle of winter, it was like ten below outside, and I thought to myself, I got up and thought, you know, I should do a story on these guys. Because it was, it was like it was a bizarre kind of thing. This hour-long commercial. Yeah. So I I went out to Wally McCarthy's in the middle of winter, and there was nobody in the place except Bill Deal and a, and a few car salesmen. Oh yeah. And Bill Deal would do the commercials with Cannon, and when Bill Deal uh, started the commercials when he was on the air, then there'd be like all like eight people who worked there would all be talking in the background to make it seem like oh, there was yes. a crowd there. Yeah, yeah. It sounded like there was a crowd there. Yeah, it was an interesting story. I had a lot of fun with that one. I tell you, back in those days, though, you and I grew up in a very interesting era in radio. There's no doubt about that because, yeah, I mean, WCCO at the time was just crushing everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, people said, well, you know, it's... Tom, what we're trying to do here is uh, we're trying to get to the third or place or second place or whatever, you know. And then you're never going to beat CCO, so you'll never be number <laughs> yeah, one. But, yeah. But didn't really work out that way. And but. radio was, I'll tell you how important radio was in those days. Every time a third world country was, was overthrown by a junta, what's mm-hmm. the first thing that happened? After they were overthrown, yeah, they shut down the radio. They shut down the radio stations. Yep, you're right. Radio was the biggest ally to uh, to, um, to 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 dictators. Yeah, dictators and radio just went together. That's no, true, and we're about I would guess twenty four to thirty six months away from it being not even a factor anymore. But, but we'll still have dictators, so it's okay. Yeah, we'll still have dictators because <laughs> now they've got TV and now they've got the internet. And uh, but it's harder to control thought now. You know, it's got to be so difficult if you're if you're a buyer to go out there and look at television, which streaming television has changed completely to yeah. a national deal. Uh, podcasting has completely changed radio to a national deal. I mean, I don't know what, what are they going to do with all the local stuff. Well, there's always going to be some demand, but yeah, I, I suppose. But you know, it'll be down to maybe like one source is the problem. Yeah, I mean, seriously, all of this stuff right now, other than, I mean, I, I, if you're not out there nationally right now, you got problems, which podcasting give, put, puts everybody on a national stage. Yeah, yeah. So that does help. I mean, we have, how many, we got like four listeners in the, Australia, don't we, Andy? Australia? Let's see. Oh, <laughs> you can look it up. I can find out. Have you ever been to Australia? No, I never have. I would love to go, but I don't think I'd survive the plane trip. Oh, God, the flights. 24 hours. I don't think I could. <laughs> yeah, you might want to hop over there little by little. Well, the thing is also, like, I remember flying back from China and from Hong Kong. Oh, God. And, and, and you know, it's like a 15-hour flight or something. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of the night, 
I remember I was in this this huge airplane, of course. There were like 180 people in there. Uh, and 179 of them were asleep. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I wasn't. I understand. What do you got, Andy? In the past month, we have gotten 77 downloads from Australia. See? Whoa, I like a that. a couple yeah. fans over there. A couple of fans over in Australia. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you very much for doing that. Yeah, if I was going to go to Australia, I'd, <clears throat> I don't even know what I would do. Why? Because the flight. Yeah. Like, oh, you mean that you'd long, You'd have to, like, yeah. plan some sort of, like, six-month excursion where you, like, first go to one country and then another. I would have to agree that it takes six months to get there. Yeah, I, I never understood people who, like, make three-day trips to Australia. Oh, oh God. Oh. By the time you're done recovering from the flight, it's time to go. Yeah. yeah I wouldn't care for that. No, I wouldn't care you. for that. And, of course, you know, covering baseball, I was flying all over the country. They, mm -hmm. they weren't, you know, lengthy flights. But it still messes you up. Yep. You're on a 10-day road trip. And, right. You know, you start out in Detroit, and then you go to Toronto. Well, that's not bad at all. You could take the train to Toronto. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you're, but then you go to Cleveland. You know, and by the time it's done, I'm usually sick. Well, I suppose. I mm -hmm. suppose that's true. We had a discussion this morning on the show because I, I just uh, apparently assimilate is a bad word now. You can't say assimilate. Assimilate. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, well, just can you say that on, on, on a show now? Why is it why why did that get to be such a horrible word? Forced assimilation. Well, forced That was what I was accused different. of. Oh you were? Yeah, of, of advocating forced assimilation. Who where? Some guy who had a, who didn't like me very much because of something I wrote when I was in college uh, came came up with that. Who was who were you forcing to assimilate? Um well, basically anyone who was an immigrant, I guess. Assimilate to what? Uh, to, to being like, like an American. Well, isn't that smart for them to do anyway? You would think. Well, I, the way I look at it, it's just a natural event. So, exactly. So you don't have to force anyone. Who would force anyone anyway? No, nobody's going to force anyone choice. to assimilate. It's just a good idea. It's, you know, I mean, the, the difference between first-generation people and second-generation, that is a mm -hmm. first-generation American and a second-generation, yeah. It's enormous, and, you know, it, it's just a process. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, okay. But generally it happens. Yeah, it's, a, it's still really, well, remember, I got roasted on well, a spit for right, saying that it was 15 all, years ago. That was all part of the same thing. It yeah. was a part and, of the same and thing. And I wrote this friendly kind of op-ed saying, oh, you know, well, we, uh, you know, many of us thought assimilation was a good thing. Yeah. And now a lot of people are saying it's a bad thing. Maybe and this was the whole point of the, the, the story, maybe we should get together and talk about this. We should assimilate and so we can talk be, about because it. Because I said maybe we should talk about it, I was accused of forced, advocating forced assimilation. No! Weaponizing, I think, oh, is the term. Jesus. And what it was all started by one guy who, who wrote a column at the time for the, for, the, for the Star Tribune, maybe it was the Tribune at the time, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. But it was, I guess it was the Star Tribune. And, and this guy, you know, he had a, he had a thing going, and uh, he, 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 like, you know, he gathered a few people to write terrible letters to the editor, all using the same phrase, forced assimilation. Forced assimilation. Isn't it amazing how eight different people use the same phrase? But, you know, it is. It's, it's fascinating because... I have never talked about forced assimilation. I said, "Of course a, not." Assimilator hit the goddamn road. Well, yeah, that's not really forced. Well, you know, but it's, but it's, it's good for you. I did it every time. I well, talked about that this morning. 
if I went to a, a, an Italian friend's house, mm. if I went to an Irish friend's house, Spanish, black, whatever, yeah. however they did it, I followed their lead. No. At their, I was in their house, I followed their lead. Uh, yeah, it no. was wonderful. Yeah, and I mean, my family goes back to various Eastern European countries, mm -hmm. and so I, I was privileged to be able to have grandparents who were first-generation Americans. Right. And um, my, my grandfather came here from Russia, and uh, he always spoke with a Russian accent. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then, of course, my dad being the second generation, there was, you know, a totally different story. They're totally uh, except different. Except for the fact that he, he was still, uh, he, st he still, still had to, to deal with very prejudiced, bigoted bastards. Of course he did, because like he Ku was Klux, a Jew. Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, so it's not easy. It's never easy. But why doesn't it ever change? Why can't anybody see? Don't why don't know. we just all back off a little bit and try to get along? Because it, it is just such a natural process. It really is, isn't it? It is. You know, and, and it's just just it's just like let it happen. I would, I would be very happy if it would. No question about it. I feel like the day could come when I could speak uh, fluent English. Oh, I don't know if that's ever. Well, I don't know. That's, that's my maybe maybe too tough. Yeah, I know one thing. Are. I could never learn a language. And, no. I, and so when I see people who are first-generation Americans speaking English very well, I don't even know how they do it. Really? It's necessity. I, I think, guess. I think if you were dropped in a country that spoke a different language, you'd pick it up yeah. quicker than you'd think. If you're young, yes. I don't know. It's, I mean, well, if you can't do anything without learning the language, you're going to have to learn it. Well, you have no other just, choice. It's just that there's a lot of, there's a lot of evidence that, that people that young people are much better off learning languages, second languages, than, than people who are older. This is true, but I don't think there's any age where you're not capable anymore. For me, it was 18. Well, yeah, it's uh, old age, right? When I had to get a, yeah, <laughs> there well. There you go. No, I mean, when I had, when I, if I wanted to graduate from college, I had to learn a language. Oh, yeah, right. And so I made the decision uh, three weeks into college, nope, never going to graduate. That's really funny about that. Catherine and I have been together for 42 years. Been married for 39 years. Next July 7th, it'll be 40 years of marriage. And you look at us now, and we go, we agree on everything. But there had to be assimilation to yeah. one another well, course. at the beginning of that. Yeah. So how is that a bad thing? It's not like you have to be like me. That's not what I'm saying right. at all. Right. Just hey, you know what? You're the majority. You get to kind of pick what you want to do. This is your house. You mm -hmm. do what you want to do. I will assimilate. I, I felt great about doing it. I learned a lot by doing that, actually. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a different process, though. It is. I understand You know, that. There's, 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 there's the process where it naturally happens, and then there's the process where if you, if you want to stay married, you know, you kind of have to merge a bit. Because you can't, I don't think people who... No, I think that's very true. Like, I don't, I don't think a, a, a Trump supporter... And a, and a liberal Democrat could get married, and I don't think it would ever work. Yeah, probably not. Mm. But why? Why does anyone support either side that to that depth anyway? I've never understood that. Well, people's political beliefs are, are a lot of it's just in the DNA. Seems that way. Is it really? I think so. Yeah. No, oh, I was raised a Democrat. My mother loved the Democrat Party. Like I said. JFK, because he was Catholic, was a very big deal in our house. Yeah. Well, you look at these, president? You look at these twins separated at birth, mm -hmm. all the studies they did at the U. Yeah. And, you know, these people can, are separated at birth. One of, them, 
one of them's living, you know, in New York City. The other one's on a farm mm-hmm. in some, somewhere in Wyoming. And, but they wind up having the same political beliefs. Yeah, that does happen. The only thing I have a problem with either Republicans or Democrats is when you're using your beliefs to harm other people. I don't like that. And well, they yeah. both do it. Oh, yeah. It disgusts me that they do that. I, I'd, I'd love to pick a party and come to all your hang out with you and do all the rest of it. But I just am not interested in, look, if I'm going to harm you, I'm going to stand face to face and go, if you don't shut up, I'm going to knock your ass out. Well, you know, I'd I mean, much rather do it that way. I, I'm a leftist. I'm a proud liberal. Yeah. I went to two precinct meetings, Democratic precinct meetings in mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. And after the second one, I said, gee, I'm never going to do you this You can't again. do it. No. You can't do well, it. I was, it was just disgusting. But it's on both sides. It's on all sides. I mean, I haven't been to a Republican one, so I can't, I can't speak about it. It would be the that. same thing. I assume. Some people would be rational and most would not. No, there were people there who were manipulating other people. Oh, yeah. And uh, it just, it was kind of sickening. But can we, why don't we wise up? And I should, I, I guess I call people stupid this morning for not understanding that. And I didn't really mean stupid, but when are we going to come to the, the realization there are eight and a half billion people yeah. on earth now? Too many. We're going to have to learn to get along, or this is going to get really hideous. Well, it's an experiment. It's an experiment, all right. Yeah. It's not going so well as we not, speak. Not right now, no. No, it really isn't. There's a lot of dictators around the world now. A whole lot of dictators. Democracy is not very popular these days. And why? Because there's too much money in it? Well, because because it, uh, people who, who have a thirst for power and vengeance mm-hmm. uh, and money. Oh, and money. All no dictators, doubt. almost all dictators are, have been very popular. Very rich people. Yes. Because that's the first thing they do is blunder, is plunder the treasury. They do. Yeah, and it doesn't matter. Well, first they, they plunder, do. then they blunder. And, and, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah, I know. I, that was a Freudian slip. <laughs> a good one, though. Yeah, but um, but it's true. and and But they've, they've learned, you know, they have to use different tools. It goes back to us talking about radio, but they, they, there are always tools they can use. But yeah. luckily in yeah. this country, that... that hasn't been the case yet it's become very close but it hasn't happened yet one of my favorites i think the first time i ever knew that i was being uh held at arm's length basically being treated as lesser than Mm -hmm. i was dating a young girl when i was 16 years old Mm. i lived in north minneapolis she lived in south minneapolis you were what 14 I was 16. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was 16 years old. Because you grew up very fast. I did grow up very fast. That's very, very true. But I remember I went. She said, well, why don't you come over and we'll go for a walk. Mm -hmm. So I would have to take the bus down from North Minneapolis down to South Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And so I knocked on her door to get her and we'll go for a walk. And her father answered the door. And I said, hello, Mr. So-and-so. I'm here to talk to your, you know, take your daughter for a walk. Mm-hmm. He goes, uh, are you Tom? And I said, yes. He said, let me ask you a question. Is it true that you're Roman Catholic? And I said, yeah, it is. And he said, well, we're Missouri Synod Lutheran and shut the door in my face. <laughs> well, I had very similar experience in high Did school. you really? Yeah, and it wasn't because I was a Roman Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> no. But it was about religion. It had something to do with being a Jew, and, I suppose. And it involved a very angry father. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. So you went through the same deal. Didn't shut the door on me, but he made it very clear that he thought that I was basically just dirt. Ixnay on the UJ. Yeah. It's one of those deals. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I, Andy, you never went through something like that, did you? Uh, no. I wouldn't think so, that this generation wouldn't be going through that. But, yeah, this guy, went, the fact that they were Missouri Synod Lutheran and I was Catholic, that, I'm sorry, the opposite ends of the earth. And I don't know about you, but when I experienced it for the first time, it was really shocking. Oh, yeah. Oh, I just, absolutely. I just, you know, I, I never saw it coming. See, I didn't experience a lot of anti-Semitism when I was a kid because in my neighborhood it really didn't happen very often. Yeah. Well, and, and I, you know, I, I actually, um, living on, on Cretan Avenue— Mm-hmm. which was it was a mix, you know. There were more Catholics than anything yeah, else. Yeah, over there, yeah. And a lot of guys who worked at the Ford plant. And um, it, was, it, was like, it was like the middle class kind of neighborhood when there was the middle class. Right. When the middle class was just taken for granted. The guys who worked in the assembly line, you know, they, they could afford to have a cabin up north. They could retire yeah. when they were probably about 60 and uh, it was a good life, but you know that's getting tougher and tougher. But but living on Cretan Avenue, I did not experience it. Then, then when I was when I was 13, my parents moved to West Minneapolis, but it was very close to St. Louis Park. Oh, so, okay, I didn't know that. So that's <clears throat> when I experienced anti-Semitism for the first time. Over in Minneapolis. Yeah, well, because you know because you're you're in an area where there are lots of Jews and lots of non-Jews. And and so it's just like it's 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 just a thing that when you have, uh, for example, when you have people like first ring suburbs, you have people, you have black people on the way up, you have white people on the way down. This is the way it always was. Mm-hmm. And they clashed. Mm-hmm. They just didn't get along very well. Right. And there was a lot of bigotry. So I was very close to St. Louis Park. And so the, there is a lot of bigotry, you know, in a situation like that. God, I just, are we ever going to get over it? No. Why? Well, history would suggest we're probably not going to. That we're just not going to ever get because over this, are we? we have plans, and, and we have, you know, just, and, uh, but we've, we've sort of been forced to somewhat, somewhat get along. Uh, but now it's too dangerous to not get mm-hmm. along. No, I suppose, yeah. That uh, is but true. people always killed each other. Oh, I remember. Yeah. It's called civilization. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Absolutely. It's sort of ironic, isn't it? Yeah, civilization makes things much worse, apparently. Uh, in, well, yeah, in because areas. before civilization, people spent their whole lives just trying to get enough carbs so they could live for the next day. Yeah, that is true. Who has time to kill each other? Yeah, exactly, unless they could eat each other. But there wasn't much of that. Cannibalism was always the sort of thing that it, it happened when people were forced to do it. You need to know a guy for your auto repairs, legal issues, banking, and more. The same goes for investment advice. You need a guy to help you be successful, someone you can trust who gets results. Well, I got a guy for you, Josh Arnold. Josh gives you straight talk, not sugar-coated advice about your financial situation. Josh has seen it all when it comes to economic and market conditions, and Josh can make sure that your retirement objectives match your investments. Do yourself a favor and call Josh now for a no-obligation, 48-minute evaluation. You've got nothing to lose, and you'll get a different point of view for your investments. Call Josh at 952-925-5608. That is 952-925-5608. You'll be glad that you did. And tell him his, hmm, his guy, Tom, sent you.
Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Tom Bernard is a paid endorser. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. You know, and I did enjoy the rivalries. Like in North Minneapolis, you had St. Joseph's where I went until mm-hmm. I was in seventh grade. Yeah. You had St. Anne's, you had St. Philip's, you had Ascension, you had St. Albert's, you had all these Catholic schools that went to battle against one another because of sports and, you know, things like that. Rivalries, yeah. Rivalries. It's just like small towns that they're yes. like, like within 10 or 15 miles of each other. You know they're going to hate each other. Yeah, they're so not going like, to really hate yeah. each other. It's going to be a rivalry. going to be a rivalry, absolutely. You're, you're a Catholic, but you're the wrong kind of Catholic because you go to the wrong <laughs> sure. school. You know, that kind of deal. Yeah. I, I know we, we love it, but I tell you what, there's another great example of why I am not like a lot of other people. Because when I was a kid going to St. Joseph's, there was a man who delivered every Halloween, every kid in North Minneapolis got a pumpkin. Ah, Pumpkin Joe. Pumpkin Joe. Pumpkin Joe Greenstein. That's exactly right. A Jew. Your alderman. Yeah, it was our alderman. He was the alderman. That he was, was, a, he first, was, he was the alderman, alderman and he, he not, only, not only could distribute pumpkins, he could distribute liquor licenses. Yes, he could. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that as well. Uh, Let's see, yeah. so, so here I am. I'm in first grade, so and I started school early, so I was only four years old uh, for the first couple of months of first grade because I was, I started school at three, uh, kindergarten, well only for like a month and a half or not even a month and a half, but a month, uh, about a month and a half, I guess it was. Yeah. But to 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 know that a Jewish man went out of his way to bring pumpkins to give to children at Catholic schools, he but he gave them to everybody. Mm. I thought that was wonderful. It literally, at, at four or five years old, I'm thinking, God, we're all in this together. But, you know, people are naturally somewhat tribal. Oh, they and, are. And that's, no that's where you want to that. look at Look at Israel. So in Israel, you know, you may hate the guy next door because he might be the wrong kind of Jew. Wrong kind of Jew, that's true. And you have, yeah. But it's true, you have liberal Jews there, and then you yeah. have Orthodox Jews. Yes. And they're not going to get along. Oh, Orthodox Jews don't get along with anybody. Well, right, exactly. They don't get along with anybody. I, I, I can kind of tell you about that, <laughs> living in the diaspora. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting. I had to learn the rules of the diaspora. You know, oh, I suppose. There are, there are certain rules you have to obey there. Like if I'm walking down the street and I see... A guy wearing wearing a you know a, the talus, the, the the whole gear you know sure. the, the yarmulke. Sure. Um, I can briefly glance at him and say, "Hey, that's what I'm allowed to do." That's it. But if it's if it's a woman and she's an Orthodox Jew, I cannot look at her. No, I, that's right. Yeah, no, okay. that is, I'd, I'd be yep. shaming her yep. if I did. That's true. And now the kids, the kids are another story. Like you don't know what to do with the kids. Because some of the kids are of very orthodox families. They're, they're not born orthodox. You know, that, that, mm-hmm. they have to be indoctrinated there. So they're like I see five or six-year-old kids, especially girls. 
and, and you know, they're smiling and they say hi to me. Now I don't know what to do. I don't want to be seen saying, <laughs> saying smiling at a five-year-old Orthodox Jewish No, girl. I suppose that's true. <laughs> no. So I give them a little smile and I nod and I just go on. But I feel like that's playing, it, playing the middle ground. But this is what happens when you have tribal rivalry, tribal, tribal different tribes on the same block, basically. You are caught between the two. And you can understand how just things get out of hand. They can get out of hand. That's what's going on in Israel. It's out of hand now. Absolutely is. They can't get along about anything. No. You know, what's funny about that is we tried 37 years ago when we put the KQ Morning Show together to have everybody represent it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the first morning show in this market that had a couple of Jews on it. That had a couple of black people on it. That had an Asian woman on it. Yeah. That had all. We tried to bring in all of these people together to work together, kind of like, you know, and we didn't like focus on that. It just kind of happened. No, that it just way. yeah. It was it was just a natural mix. It was. I, I never could understand whether it was like there had to be some luck involved. Oh, I think that's very true. To, yeah. to create that kind of chemistry seems like it's almost impossible. Uh, right. Well, and of course, the, the fact is that there were there were some people who came and went. Yes. Because you had to keep the chemistry right. No, no question about it. But the amazing thing about that is trying to build a model of what the civilization in this state of Minnesota should look like mm. took the exact opposite effect on people. Oh, yeah. yeah. They thought it was the most racist, horrible, horrendous some, some show. Some people. Some people. Not well, everybody, no. Well, I, I've been on the, some morning, people did, yeah. I was on the morning show for like three days when I got a call from the head of the Anti-Defamation League. Yeah, yeah. the head, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, the head guy. Pardon yeah. me. Yeah, and he said, he said you're going to have to choose. You're going to have to choose between being a radio personality and a Jew. But how was it anti-Semitic? I never I, did understand Well, because I, I was... I think he used the phrase fanning the flames. What flames? Just by being, by talking about Jewish traditions and hu- Jewish humor. I love that. Well, of course. Yeah, but he he thought it was shameful. How? I though? don't know. I mean, I, I... Once again, we're trying to assimilate. We're uh, trying uh, to come together. Well, yeah. Oh, it's a horrible idea. We're sharing the best part of our experience. Yes. And, and this guy didn't like that. And, uh, you know, I... I <laughs> I finally had to tell him, well, I'm just not, not, you know, I don't play on your team. I'm sorry. Well, I'll be honest with you. Because I don't remember what church it was, but I was at a wedding, and the priest would not talk to me because of the KQ Morning Show. Yeah, oh, yeah. I do remember that. Well, what I found as the years went by, the people who listened to the morning show because they hated us, yes. they, and, and they would always <laughs> say the same thing to me. They would say, oh, yeah, you're still on that morning show? Well, obviously, they knew. If they yeah. said that, yes. they knew I was. That's very yeah. true. And yeah. if people said, hey, I listen to you every day on the morning show, then I knew they weren't listening because I wasn't on every day. No, that's that, well, see, that's exactly right. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just don't really understand when you're trying to show we can all do this together. This is working very well. And the KQ Morning Show was the highest rated morning show in America. Yeah. So it did work very it, well. Yeah. But not here. Or something. I mean, did locally, obviously, but not with the upper echelon of the of the Twin Cities. Well, you know, but I experienced that as a journalist too. Oh, I bet you did. Yeah. And when I would write stories that sort of made fun of the uh, of the rich and famous. Oh, they don't like that. Well, the managing editor didn't like it. (laughs) 
<laughs> he was very protective of Who these. Who was that, this, at that time? Well, there was a guy named Wally Allen. He was the managing oh, okay. editor. No one knew what he did. No one ever knew what he did. <laughs> We'd see him shuffling papers in his little glassed-in office. And so one day he got especially angry at me. He was always angry at me. I didn't write his kind of journalism. And I wrote a story about the, the opening of Orchestra Hall. And uh, among other things, I had an entire paragraph devoted to funny names of rich people. What's uh, wrong with that? It's funny. It was very funny. People loved it. Yes. But, I, you know, I was saying, saying things like, you know, well, there was Topsy Ritz, for example. Topsy Ritz. I love yeah. the name Topsy Ritz. Yeah, Topsy and there were a Ritz. lot of funny names like that. And uh, he called me into his office, and every, everybody in the newsroom, there were like, you know, 50 people in the newsroom, right? Everybody stopped working. To hear your conversation? Gelfand's in Wally Allen's office. <laughs> because no one had ever been in his office. Oh, really? No, no. And so he, it couldn't be good. He never strayed from his office. He, like Most managing editors, they, you know, they would walk through the newsroom, they'd say hi to people. Hey, I love that story you're doing. Can I right, help you with this? Right. Not Wally. He never left his office. That's amazing. And then Wally calls me in, and he's just, he's like, you know, you can see the, the arteries throbbing in his forehead. Right. That kind of thing. Right. Which, which artery would that be? I don't know. Andy knows. Uh, probably the temporal artery. Okay, good, yeah. And so he, he calls me in, and uh, I can see that he's just, he's going to lose it, you know. <laughs> and he says to me, I suppose you know why I called you in here today. And I said, well, yeah, it was the Orchestra Hall story. He said, that's right. And I said, yeah, that was really one of my best pieces, wasn't it? <laughs> and he, like, he, I thought he was going to stroke out. Why? And he says, no, it wasn't. And, and, uh, and uh, well, because it wasn't, you know, we don't do that at the, at the newspaper. What did you do? Uh, I don't, we just reinforced the, the, the beauty and the wealth of these people. I don't know. I, I, I never found out. But um, he just, you know, he couldn't handle it. And, and I, at the end of the whole thing, I said, hey, Wally, uh, just a question. Do you ever call anyone in here and ream them out because they... They, they refused to be edgy, to take chances. Mm -hmm. And he just looked at me like, well, of course not. And I said, well, that's why you reinforce mediocrity here. No, yeah. there you go. Because he couldn't fire me because I was in a union. Yeah, oh, that's true. Otherwise, he would have fired me. Really? He, you think he would have fired you oh, on that one article? Oh, absolutely he would have fired me. Well, it wasn't one article. It was a lot. Oh, it was a lot. I okay. did a lot of stuff like that. But, but it wasn't like I did it every day, you know, but every now and then when I had the opportunity. But he, he just couldn't handle it. And, um, and and the the person in the newsroom who hated me the most was the woman who wrote the society column, <laughs> Margaret Morris. Do you Margaret, remember her? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Why did she hate you? Well, because I occasionally made fun of the people who she treasured. Oh, for Christ's sake! Yeah, this people, was these were her people. I like being made fun of. Well, of course, I you know because yeah, I mean I loved it when people wrote angry letters to the editor. Exactly. About it. No, they I care. I walked in the newsroom one day. And and Margaret was she was complaining about me to the assistant city editor. Oh, Jesus. And I walk in and I'm hearing and that son of a bitch and then he did the, you know <laughs> and of course I just started grinning. So I'm walking by to get to my desk. The Jimmy Parsons was the assistant city editor, He's a good old boy from Tennessee. Okay. And I'm walking by and he says, Boy, I'm gonna go ream you out. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna just you know, I'm I'm really pissed off. Come with me. And he grabs my arm and he takes me into the conference room and he says, that was one fine piece you did today. <laughs>
<laughs> Don't you wish life would still be that way? Uh, you know, that was newspapers were still newspapers back they in, were back, back into yes. the uh, late seventies, and then of course, God. internet mergers, layoffs. That's it's so funny. Over the years, the, the managing editors of both newspapers and take me to lunch. The funny thing about that was, though, yeah, when I got invited to lunch by what was the guy's name that, that was the McGuire. Uh, yeah, Tim McGuire. Tim McGuire. Yeah, invited me to lunch. Mm-hmm. We ate lunch in St. Paul. Yeah. Then the managing editor of the St. Paul paper invited me to lunch in Minneapolis. In Minneapolis, <laughs> and they wouldn't. They didn't want to be in their own city to talk to me. Yeah. Apparently, just because they might be seen. But I remember Tim <laughs> McGuire. He's no longer with us. I don't think is he. I don't think Tim's still I don't around. No, I'm not sure. I don't think he is. But I never worked for him. So oh I, my. God, was, did he get mad. At was what was happy his not position? To work for him. He was an editor, editor-in-chief he of was, the Star Tribune. Yeah, well, he was managing editor back when they merged, I think. Yeah, that's true. I think he was. Editor. I could yeah. be wrong. Yeah, Tim McGuire. I yeah, can't and, tell. And the funny thing is, well, when Wally Allen was the managing editor of the Tribune, which was the morning paper, uh, my buddy Dave Nimmer was the managing editor. That was like Dave and Well, then it's totally different. You know, he's the kind of guy he knows. He talks to everybody. He asks them how the family is. He's good know. on TV, too. Oh, he was fantastic. I thought he was really good. He, You know, we used him a lot in the Stretch and Z show, narrating the, the, some oh, of the sure. funny bits we sure. did. Great timing, great mm. voice. I get together with him all the time. Oh, he's still around? He's still around. Well, he's, that's good yeah. to hear. Oh, no, he's, he's fine. And I always, I'll call him up on Christmas, and I'll say, well, I know you're going to go be massaging the feet of the nuns later on today. Yeah, absolutely. So I thought I'd get a hold of you. Now he's that kind of guy. What's that woman's name again? One with him, Dave Nimmer, and oh, I can see oh, your talk- face. Oh, you're talking about. Uh, oh, what the hell's her uh, name? She's a very nice person. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. She's a blonde woman. I cannot remember her name. That's weird. Nan- yeah. Not Nancy. No, that's not. No, her. no. Um, God, that's so. That's so weird. It was. Now you're talking about this. It's, was it Midday Live or yeah. what was the I, name of the show? I, I know it was. It was Fleur. Fleur. Martha, Martha Fleur. Yeah, yeah. Very, very funny. And, and I think it was Martha Fleur. It was Fleur. Or Marsha sure. Fleur. Marsha, yeah. Marsha Fleur, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, she's still around. Is she? Yeah. She was always very nice to Oh, her. she's great, yeah. But then I think somebody got to him because they wouldn't have me on anymore. They used to have me on at first, but then oh, really? the kind of end. I think there were certain, but, well, I, but that was when they owned also CCO Radio. Oh yes, yeah. And we started kicking their ass, and that once we started beating CCO, that was not good for the appearances on CCO TV. Yeah. Well, when I when I wrote a story, uh, I was I was doing some entertainment pieces back in the day, and I wrote a story saying that Channel Four was no longer the best news oh, TV station. Oh my God! I said Channel Five had. And they had. They, they were just majors? Ba- majors, but it wasn't just majors. They were just better at covering the news. They were at that Back time, in that yeah. day. It was a narrow period. No, it wasn't. I just said that because of our affiliation. <laughs> <laughs> they all do a pretty good job in my mind. But but anyway, um, it's TV. But um, there was like, there was like, people wouldn't even speak to me in the Tribune newsroom. It was like, how could you say that? That can't be true. How can it not be true? I don't know. It's just because because the thing is, Channel 5, 9, and 11, um, 
they were they were TV stations, but Channel Four was an institution. Yeah, it was absolutely. Well, Dave Moore was as good as it got. Well, and a lot of it was because of Dave, of course. Dave was phenomenal, and then you got Don Shelby after that. I mean, he, he, he had do some, much better some talent that. there. Yeah, had a little talent going on and, there. But exactly Channel right. Five, then they had majors, and mm-hmm. you know, nobody was better than majors. I mean, Dave, I like Dave Moore better than anyone. Yeah, for sure, great guy. But majors as an anchor guy, he was as good as they, as it gets. I think he's, I think he. He went to to Chicago and he was he was like a big star there, and I think he may have retired now. He did retire now. Yeah, he, he was. Yeah, it was big WGN. I think he was. Was he there or MAQ? I can't remember. Oh, you know what? I think it was MAQ. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think it was MAQ. Yeah, I mean the fact is, you know, if you can make it here, you can make it in Chicago. Oh, or in New York, Chicago, and LA. Minne- oh, definitely make it. Those New York news market sucks compared to Minneapolis. And people go, and that's yeah. not true. It does. No, it Local does. news sucks there compared to Minneapolis-St. Paul. When I, when I moved to Chicago in, uh, it was 1972, the, the news shows were, like, out of this world. It mm-hmm. was like, it was a whole new adventure watching these shows. They were great. Yeah. They were theatrical, but they were great. Like, you know, the news would come on. Walter Jacobson. Oh, sure. He was the co-anchor with, uh, with Curtis. So Curtis would come on. You remember the deep voice? Bill Curtis. Bill Curtis, yeah. Yep. So they were the co-anchors, and Bill, the, the show would start, and Bill Curtis would say, and today in the news, and then like he'd look over his shoulder, and then the camera would pull back, and Jacobson would be on the phone. Oh, I'm still getting the latest news, baby. And, and uh, Curtis would say, <laughs> what, what's going on? And he said, I'm just talking to the mayor right now, and he tells me, you know, it was like every day was was a, was like a little piece of theater. Yes. To, to go with the news, it was fantastic. I love that whole deal. Oh, it was great. That's how the business used to be. Yeah. I'm in Chicago one time cutting some spots. I'm listening to my buddy Robert J. Mm-hmm. Robert J. Kraft was his full name. Yeah. And I'm listening to him. He goes, uh... Why don't we? Uh, it was WFYR with the call letters. I don't even know if there's because oh, of Chicago I, Fire. Get it? Oh, okay. <clears throat> WFYR. I don't, I don't remember that at all. I, I mean, I remember the fire. I just don't remember. Yeah, I don't. The, the call, call letters, letters. Maybe they're not around because the yeah the call letters. Yeah, you're right. They never got that. Uh, and, and just to be clear, I didn't. I don't remember the fire because I was there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, one of uh, the, yeah, they're still around. WFYR is? Yep, in, WFYR. In yeah. Chicago. Why did I not know about them? I yeah, Peoria. Uh, no, well, they're in Peoria now. Oh, they're oh, Peoria. Oh, so they did move out of Chicago. So, but still close. Because KFYR is in where? Bismarck, North Dakota? Let's see here. I K- think KFYR F- is in Bismarck, North Dakota. Mm-hmm. I think. But but it's true. Chicago yep. has, And there are television stations. Chicago, yeah. Chicago has always had a unique vibe. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. But my favorite thing... I'm listening to Robert Kraft on, on WFYR radio, and he's doing a show, and he goes, some big uh, items coming up today. Let's go to the newsroom. Here's, I don't remember his name, but Bill Berditzman. Mm. Nothing. Yeah. About 30 seconds later, he tries again. Okay, let's check in and see if Bill's in his office. <laughs> nope. Yeah. About three minutes into it, finally, you hear the mic go, because of yeah. the compression. Uh. You can hear the mic come on, and <laughs> instead of introducing him, he just listened to the hiss of the microphone, yeah. and the next thing you hear after three, four dead minutes was, busy day in the newsroom, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, is it is it that busy that you couldn't be on the mic when you're supposed to be? Uh, that business is pretty much over now. Radio oh, and television, yeah. look at, at that. 
Mm-hmm. Television news, local news is still, I think, the best news to watch. National news drives me nuts. I don't care who does it. Yeah, locally, it's it's pretty. The problem with local news now is it has suddenly gotten very happy. Yeah, and that's I think true. They've gone a little too far. You that's might true. call it treacly. Yeah, uh, it's uh, and now, of course, they all start with the weather because who doesn't like the weather? I do like the weather. Well, we all like the we're all true. proud of our weather. It's true. But that's how they start. And they do that when there's like huge local stories. Because occasionally there are huge local stories. Mm-hmm. But they'll still start with the weather. Yeah, they do. All right, and that's going to do it, huh? We're at an hour. Hell of a report, I thought. Oh, right. Can't we do another hour? You, you and Andy can do another hour. That's a great <laughs> idea. Well, maybe next week. <clears throat> yeah, maybe, Yeah, maybe next week. All right, we'll talk to you later.